Hello, and welcome back. Oh, welcome to, back. To another, edi- <laughs> to another <laughs> edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. You, uh, you like that? Yeah, it was, it was different. It was different. I was, it threw me off a little. Yeah, it did. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. Brought to you from the palatial Rhino Estates here in suburban St. Louis. It's Broomsticks and Butterbeer. It's hot outside. And chapter by chapter. It's about to get hot in here because we're going to be tackling chapter 19. <laughs> I see uh, what you did there. Of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer, a chapter by chapter discussion of the Harry Potter novels. How are you, Jessica? Doing pretty good, Daniel. Last time we talked about chapter 18. Did we now? Which was the wane of the wands. And what happened in that chapter? Not a lot. Oh. And you were telling me after you read the chapter today that you were excited to talk about this chapter because it is very action-packed. There is a lot going on. It really propels the story forward. You're looking at the soundboard now to think of a <laughs> something that you can put, something like sarcastic or that I'm t- not telling the truth or that I'm lying. Well... Yeah, I, I believe I'm being misquoted. Hmm. I said... It doesn't sound like something I would do. Um, a little bit. Interesting. I said that I felt like nothing was going to happen. That, you know, it took a long time to get going. And then I felt like there were some things that happened. Some things that we can talk about. That's a good review of the chapter. There was some things that happened. And that we could talk about. Shouldn't that be the the minimum bar that we set for every chapter in every book that has been written through every year in history? Yeah. I mean, that's... We that's... shouldn't have a chapter where nothing happens. That's bad writing. So with the fact that some things happened, it seems like we're setting the bar awfully low for J.K. Rowling. That's just the name of the game for this There's book. There's a lot of filler in this book. Can we, can we talk about this? Okay. We're 19 chapters in. Yes. We haven't seen the Dark Lord in like 17 chapters. And he's sneaky. <laughs> he's sneaking about. <laughs> just because you don't see him doesn't mean he's not there. Yeah, that's, when you, that's, when, that's when he strikes, <laughs> when you don't see him. That's the time you need to be careful about. When, you, when the times that you don't see him. Yeah. Like and our, when you see him, you know where he's at, you know what he's up to. Like our friend Anastasia in Connecticut. Oh, it's the yeah. quiet ones you have to worry about. Yeah. Well, she puts her FaceTime on, but she like lets the lets it sit on her bed, so mm-hmm. all you see is her ceiling. You don't know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And then when she does put her face on there, you don't get the full shot. You yeah, just get, like, like the, the, the... Eyes up. Eyes are the window to the soul. <laughs> but let's be honest. We all know what she's doing. She's reading. She's reading a book. While she's hanging out with us. She doesn't want to offend you by... Letting you know that your friendship is not as important as the current book that she's reading. Honestly, don't you two read? I read this. I read Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I read. I know you read. But yeah, Anastasia told us the other day that when she wants to go for a relaxing walk or a relaxing bike ride... She does it through the local cemetery. <laughs> Where else is she supposed to go, Daniel? I don't know. There's no sidewalks on her street. Her street is so dangerous, the mailman won't come. Yeah. Where is she supposed to go? Why is her street so dangerous? Is, does it have, like, bears? No, it's <laughs> like, like a hill in a corner, a very sharp corner. and Escaped they, convicts? Is there they drive nearby? really fast there or something. Um. Yeah, it's... I feel like if they just like slowed the speed limit down and like put in a stop sign or something, it wouldn't be that bad. But I don't know. I would feel like going through a cemetery would be more dangerous because you got to worry about the undead. Maybe she's not afraid. Well, I know she's not afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking of not being afraid, I'm not afraid to talk about Chapter 18. <laughs> that smooth, smooth transition there. Uh, chapter 18 last time was the wane of the wands, and Harry doesn't want to be around the majority of the school because all of the extra attention that has come with him being chosen as the fourth oh, participant. Daniel. In the Triwizard Tournament. Daniel. Daniel. Ooh, me. 
I have something to say. Yeah, you, like the kindergartners Ooh. who are, I'm in the middle of a soliloquy. D- d- <laughs> like, Mr. Rhino! Like, it's my brother's Mr. birthday Rhino. tomorrow! <laughs> like, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But go ahead. I made you toast. You did make me toast the other day. Just some plain. <laughs> Just, oh, no, you did. You put some I, jelly on I it. I put jelly put on one and cinnamon sugar on the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Harry got any of that. I don't know. Maybe. No, nah, he just got some toasted bread. I'm sure there's butter on it. So Hermione brings breakfast to Harry. Toast. A stack of toast. No protein. Yeah, I didn't get you any protein. Just, just toast. Uh, but Harry- it had sugar on it. I'm good with it. I was good with it. I mean, I had to eat more breakfast after that because that's not a a balanced meal. But I did appreciate the the two pieces of toast that you brought me. <laughs> uh, Harry is getting the cold shoulder from every non-Gryffindor in the school, it seems, uh, because they feel he tricked his way into the Triwizard Tournament somehow. We have another showdown between Draco and Harry in the last chapter, which results in Hermione needing a visit to the hospital wing. Because her you teeth- foul and loathe them evil little cockroach! Thank you. Her teeth are now magically enormous. We get set up for promotional photos for the tournament and meet Rita Skeeter in person for the first time. She's a reporter for the Daily Prophet, and she takes Harry, a child, into a secluded room closet. That's kind of creepy. And no one bats an eye at this. Uh, we also find out that Rita Skeeter has a magic plagiarism quill that does her writing for her. <laughs> We have the Wayne of the Wands, which is an inspection of each wizard's wand. And Harry gets a response from Sirius Black, who tells Harry to be by the fire at Gryffindor Tower at 1 a.m. on November 22nd. Because Sirius is even more sure that someone is trying to hurt Harry. I thought maybe we weren't going to get to that in the next chapter, in this chapter that we read today. Oh, what would make you think that that things would get drug out in this book? (laughs) I was like, what have you we're read not going to make it. In the previous 19 chapters that would le- let you believe. I have a page and a you, half left. We're not going to make it. That would lead you astray to the point that this book does not get stretched out like Stretch Armstrong's <laughs> limbs to just get a few more pages, get the page count up. Well, in the, the name of the chapter, it just seemed like we were going to focus on other things. Honestly, do you think that J.K. Rowling had, like, a page count that she had to fulfill and that she just, like, stretched things out a a little bit just to get a few more pages? No, I think that this is my theory with authors and books. The first couple of books, the, the agent and the publisher and the editor are, like, on you, hardcore, like, nope, nope, fix this, cut that, fix this, cut that. They want the books to be short because they don't want to invest a lot of money in these big fat books. Or especially since the first couple of books were kids' books, they had to keep it the page count down. Well, I guess too. I mean, if, I guess that makes sense. If the book is bigger, it would cost more to, to make. make. It would cost it's more to ship. More intimidating. Little mm-hmm. younger kids wouldn't pick it up because it's too big. But then. Then they start, the author starts doing well and making money and the, and everybody kind of backs off. It's like, oh, do your thing. Mm-hmm. You are magic. You, you can write these great books. I'm just going to sit back and let you do it. And then the authors kind of go a little wild. You know, I read the first of the Game of Thrones books. I read the first two, I think, and then the third one. He was just, he just crazy. Just went off. Went off. Went off talking about a statue. I was listening to it on audiobook. 30 minutes talking about a statue. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we, we really got to move on. We was describing a city, but the majority of the describing the city was this statue. So on you're top. saying this is what authors really want to do. They really want to immerse you into I, their every little aspect of their world. I think they're so used to having somebody check them that and and say, no, you need to take this out. <laughs> check a, a system of checks and balances. Yes, and then once that's gone, <laughs> they kind of don't know what to do. It's like you take the training wheels off the bike and they just want to go down the hill as fast as they can. <laughs> yeah, like, Look at me! I'm free to do whatever I want. Yeah, we see you. And, yeah, it gets a little crazy. So, I don't know. I mean, the first couple of times I read these books, I didn't really 
slow down like mm-hmm. we're doing and mm-hmm. and analyze it. Makes you it. look at it from a different perspective, I assume. Yeah, and now I kind of feel like maybe this is what happened to her. The first couple of books, you know, they had her on a short leash, and then they said, "Oh, she's making us a lot of money. Go at it." They got the flexi lead out that yeah kind of makes the leash a little longer. <laughs> she's on flexi lead right she now. She flex- might have slipped out of the collar. Oh yeah, she's she's running <laughs> she's running around the neighborhood right now. Hopefully, we see the pattern later in later books where she kind of learns to self-adjust. And the editors of the book are just sitting on the porch like, ah, she'll come back. They're, they're counting money. She'll come back. <laughs> they're sitting there counting their money. Let's talk about chapter 19, the Hungarian horn tale. And in this chapter, Harry is super nervous about the upcoming first task in the Triwizard Tournament. And the reason why is because this isn't butterflies in your stomach over like a big quidditch match or something like that mm-hmm. this is a potentially life and death tournament that he has been entered into somehow and specifically told he's not capable right. of handling this like they said this is why there's an age limit because younger wizards mm-hmm. can't possibly do this experienced wizards have died doing this you are unprepared get in the game yeah. <laughs> have fun and the final product of Rita Skeeter's plagiarism pen is released. The Daily Prophet article about Harry is front and center. And the words on the page are not exactly the words that he remembers saying, are they? Uh, not even close. Not even, not even close not at all. A little bit. How do you, how is Rita Skeeter allowed to, to misquote Harry that bad? She sells papers, Daniel. Yeah, but it's, that's that's libel. I mean, that's like against. Is that not uh, the, against the law in the wizarding community? I mean, if you do that in in the Muggle world, you know, you 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 say a remark that is untrue about somebody, it's slander. You write a remark that is untrue about somebody, it's it's libel. And she is saying, putting down quotes that he did not say. Well, I want to point out that. He's a child and has no, like, actual guardian that's going to care. I mean, who's going to... So the rules don't apply if you're a minor. <laughs> if you're a minor and you don't have an adult to watch out for your rights, I guess. But I also feel like she just does this. This is what she does. She's a shock jock. Uh, yeah. Like a morning radio DJ just says things to get a rise out of people and is thus very popular might be going a little more extreme a little more overboard since they are children and she doesn't think she's gonna get caught but she can take a little more advantage yeah who who are they to say otherwise like it's my word word against (laughs) a teenager i'm an accomplished journalist and this is some silly little kid who can't remember what he said and nobody else heard it because we were in a broom closet together Interesting. So the the article came out, and it was about how, like, you know, Harry hardly said two words in that interview, mm-hmm. but he's got this long soliloquy about how, like, I think about my parents, and I get my strength from my parents, and, and sometimes I tear up when I do that, but I fight through the tears, and it powers me through. The, it was it was nonsense. Mm-hmm. It was it was all fake. And I guess Rita could blame it on her pen. <laughs> and you're like, well, I, I mean, let's be honest, though. I didn't write it. You know, the pen wrote it. Yeah, well, my my quill is spelled to take the quotes down. It must, uh, uh, it must, must be malfunctioning. Yeah. Somebody enchanted it wrong. to do something different. So, she, so Rita Skeeter's got a lot of escape routes with this article that she can use the fact that harry's underage the fact that nobody else was there the fact that a magic pen was being used this causes this article though causes harry a lot of grief from the other students because he like we said before most of the school already doesn't like harry right now because of how he's entered into this tournament it's kind of taken the shine away from cedric it has really caused a rift between not only him and the other students, but even some of his fellow Gryffindors like Ron. Because we talked last episode about the growing animosity between Harry and Ron. 
and Hermione just can't get them back on good terms no matter how hard she tries and she's really trying in this chapter mm-hmm. she's she's tried to <laughs> almost almost to the point of being sneaky like we need to oh come with me you guys need to talk and oh he won't be there but he really will be there mm-hmm. yeah she got kind of a little sneaky well in this chapter there was something else that kind of flew under the radar, but I wanted to talk about Harry and Hermione noticed that Victor Crumb is spending a lot of time in the library. Mm-hmm. Mm, we don't really know what he's doing in there, but my assumption is that maybe he's like studying, maybe studying like past tournaments or something to kind of get an idea for what kind of tasks he might face or, you know, studying techniques that he might be able to use in, in various tasks. And up until then, we were kind of led to believe that Victor is just this big-time superstar jock athlete. But this library version of Victor Crumb kind of gives us the impression that there's probably a bright wizarding mind in there as well. Am I looking into that wrong? Um, perhaps. Uh, I don't really remember this. Just from reading it in previous times when I was reading eh, whatever. I didn't really remember this. But the version of him from the movies is so, like, overpowering where he is the dumb jock and can't hardly string a sentence together that when I read that, I was like, wait, what? Uh, what's going on here? So I don't remember. We'll see. Okay. I, I, just thought I don't think was... it's a big thing because, I guess I don't remember this being a plot point. I just thought it was kind of interesting because you would think that, like, the big, if he was a big dumb jock, that he wouldn't be caught anywhere near the library. Or if he was, even if he was forced to go to the library, like if Karkaroff forced him to go to the library or something, he would be falling asleep in there on a book or something like that. But he seems to be diligently looking through text. Yeah. I have a suspicion, but I don't know. I don't know if there's another reason. Well, let's talk about afternoon in Hogsmeade for the students. Harry doesn't want to go without his invisibility cloak because of all the attention from the Rita Skeeter article and the fact that Rita Skeeter is still muddling around looking for gossip. She's looking for the dish, Jessica. This, again, you know, I don't remember all of the little details. It's been a long time since I've read the books. But I was kind of like... Really? I mean, I understand that, you know, everybody's giving him a hard time, everybody's looking at him weird, but I felt like we kind of backslid quite a bit to where he thinks he has to hide and not be seen. He could probably get, like, some free butterbeers if he, you know, just walk in there like he owns the place. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Harry Potter, the fourth wizard, the youngest wizard ever in the history of the... Tournament. Let me buy you a butterbeer. Yeah. Butterbeer's yeah. all around, on the house. Yeah. But... It's just not really him, though. Yeah, it, not... it just felt more first-year Harry mm-hmm. couldn't cope with people looking at him and expecting and whatever. I get that there's a lot going on right now, mm-hmm. but it just didn't seem... It's a very confusing time for him, though. Right. Like, he's a teenager, so that's just a confusing time just in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, with so many things going on inside and outside your body. And then you got the fact that his best friend is uh, at odds with him. And the majority of the school, including a lot of the teachers, don't like him right now. You know, even the teachers that we thought were previously, like, pretty nice, you know, are kind of snarky with him. So it's just it's just a lot for a kid to to take on. Uh, Maybe worth mentioning, before we go further, the fact that Harry seems to have some kind of connection with a Ravenclaw named Cho Chang. Aww. Uh, Cho has been one of the few non-Gryffindors that haven't been giving Harry a hard time lately, and Cho is one of the few non-Gryffindors that uh, aren't wearing the Potter Stinks button, or support Cedric slash Potter Stinks button. So maybe something to keep an eye out for maybe for later. Maybe. Uh, Hagrid and Professor Moody are in Hogsmeade as well at the Three Broomsticks the same time Hermione and Harry are and 
Mad-Eye Moody brings his own flask into the pub. <laughs> this can't sit well. This can't sit well with management, Jessica. No, no, she. You're not allowed to bring an outside hooch. She's kind of giving him a stink eye. <laughs> but she didn't ask him like, "I'll finish it outside." Or well, it's Mad-Eye Moody. Kind of just, kind of just does. He's got a, he's got a rep. She doesn't have to be happy about it, he's, but he's she's not gonna bad, say anything. Put either. a lot of bad people in Azkaban. He's and he's a little crazy. Yeah. So yeah, crazy. she doesn't want to be turned into a ferret. So do you know what this reminded me of in our lives? Your father. My father did what? He comes into the restaurant with a can of Diet Coke. <laughs> Sometimes not even open. Like, you could kind of see that he didn't want to leave it in the hot car for three hours, so he's just finishing it off. He carries it in, getting those last couple of swigs. No! He comes in, sits down at the table. Hey, guys, how's it going? Crack, crack! crack. <sighs> now, so this has happened on multiple occasions. It doesn't happen every time, but it's happened on multiple occasions, and it usually happens in restaurants that don't serve Coke products. Uh. Now, I prefer restaurants that don't serve Coke products, right. but your father... My father worked at Coca-Cola for over 20 years. So, so he was brainwashed. He was brainwashed by the aspartame <laughs> in the Diet Coke. So it's not his fault. It's they, not no, his it fault. was probably in those training videos. It's like those those people, that uh, the Death Eaters, that after Voldemort goes away. Dude, we were brainwashed. <laughs> like I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. He put something in our Diet Coke. What year is it? He put evil in our Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> this green smoky stuff came out of my Diet Coke? I don't know what's going on right now. But there was specifically a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant here in the St. Louis area. I don't know how. I don't think they exist anymore. How, how far uh, they shouldn't, because they give you horrible gastrointestinal issues. <laughs> uh, but uh, there was a restaurant called Chevy's, and we would we used to go there for a tri- trivia, like every Wednesday night or something like yeah. that. And that they first few times we went went they would ask him what kind of drink he wanted and he said uh diet coke and they said diet pepsi okay and he would go i Uh. guess and then after that he started bringing cans of diet coke in with him and they would ask him if he wanted a drink and he'd say no i'm good crack crack you can't do that my dad total slytherin by the way he took the test i made him take the test one night yeah like and it was like they put the hat, like when he put the hat on, the hat just started screaming. So like when they, like when Draco got sorted, yeah, it was just hovering Slytherin. over his head. They're like Slytherin. That's my dad, total Slytherin. Mom, total Hufflepuff. Yeah, your family's kind of all Slytherin we're all or Hufflepuff. all Hufflepuff. Yep, we're all over I know. Place. Doesn't Sarah think she's Ravenclaw or no? She's a, she's she's a Hufflepuff. She's a I Hufflepuff. Thought she was you Ravenclaw thought she was okay because she was valedictorian in our. At our high school. And she just wanted to be loved. Probably. These people will like me if I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think we're all uh, Slytherins or Hufflepuffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother, Boo, thinks that... He's think, a Hufflepuff. He's the one who thinks that he's a Hufflepuff, but... He's not. Total Slytherin. Totally Andrew, proud Slytherin. The, the answers he thought people wanted to hear. Jake and Sarah, proud Hufflepuffs. Me and my mom, proud Puffs. But yeah, there was there's there's not a Ravenclaw or a Gryffindor in the in the Rhino bunch. So, you know, we're I don't know about your family, but we're kind of one way or the other. Your mom seems like the Hufflepuff. I don't know. I might be Muggleborn. <laughs> <laughs> I think my dad's Ravenclaw. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Well, uh, <laughs> Moody brings in his Diet Coke and his flask. And Moody and Hagrid head over to Hermione's table, where Harry is still under the cloak. And apparently, we find out that Moody's magic eye can see the presence of the invisibility cloak. Yeah. So... I mean, if you're going to have a magic eye, it's got to be able to do all kinds of things. Remember those magic eye books? Where you had to, like... Like, crush your yeah, eyes you and had, You had to, like, have, like, a seizure, and then you could see, like, a boat in, in the picture or something like that. It's a schooner. <laughs> it's a sailboat. Uh, so how does the eye function? Like, is it... 
like some kind of enchanted mogul glass eye? Was he... Did he lose his eye in a, like a, a, a shrimping boat accident or... Shrimping boat and accident? And he had to like, you know, they, that's the best they could do at the, at the wizarding hospital. Like, how does that, like, is the eye a, a part of him? I don't, I don't understand. Well, he's been battling dark, dark wizards for a long time. Mm-hmm. And particularly during one of the darkest eras for wizards... He's got all kinds of problems. He's missing a leg. He's got a chunk of his nose missing, and he's missing his eye. I'm assuming it got so did blasted he come away. Up with this eye, or like... maybe, or maybe he's got a, a very clever witch friend. I don't know, but it's magic. What do you know? You're here to answer the questions. <laughs> I do not know the origins of Mad Eye Moody's. Yeah, if you know the origins of Mad Eye Moody's Eye, send us an email, boomstick.butterbeer at gmail.com. Uh, if we like it, maybe we'll send you a t-shirt or something. Uh, Hagrid wants Harry to visit his cabin at midnight and to wear the cloak. And Harry knows it must be important because if Hagrid is asking Harry to risk being out Yeah, breaking all hours, kinds of rules. Then it's got to be something pretty important. But Harry also doesn't want to miss his meeting with Sirius which is happening at 1 a.m. So Harry, after midnight, is a busy guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Studio 54 in the 70s. (laughs) It's like everybody after midnight is like when all the important stuff happens. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Hagrid meets up with Harry under the invisibility cloak at midnight. But I... I was a little annoyed. So Harry sneak does all this, uses the, like, times it just right to get out of the out of the common room with Hermione's help, sneaks through the corridors, wearing his invisibility cloak, does all this stuff to make it down there without being caught, knocks on the door, and Hagrid's just like, Hey, Harry, is that you? (laughs) You out there, kid? If it wasn't Harry, you just gave everything away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dumbledore happened to stroll down, or somebody else, McGonagall or whoever, like, Harry, is that you? I'm like, oh, come on. Hagrid is not a master of subtleties. Let's <laughs> just say that. Yes, this is true. Uh, but Hagrid meets up with Harry. Harry, of course, under the invisibility cloak. But Hagrid also stops by to pick up Madame Maxine, the Bobatons leader. And where is Hagrid taking both of them? On a date. On, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Harry's invisible. Chaperoning the date. Yeah. And a date in up which words. we get to see some dragons. What kind of date would Hagrid take a woman on? It's, other than to see some dragons. Mm-hmm. Or something equally dangerous and so frightening. We've got four dragons trying to be controlled by over 30 wizards, including Dragon Master Charlie Weasley. Aw, hey, Charlie. And presumably, these four dragons will be paired off with the four tournament participants for something to do with the first cast. Yes. We don't know exactly what that is. We did get a few clues. I do, Daniel. Well. I do remember some things from reading the books. (laughs) We have four breeds of dragons. We have the common Welsh green. Yes. The Swedish short snout. That is hard to say with my post-COVID slur of my S's that I have. Swedish short snout. Uh, Thank you. I'm fighting through it. I'm playing hurt here, ladies and gentlemen. The Chinese Fireball and the namesake, which is a really cool name, by the way. The Chinese Fireball. And the namesake of our chapter, the Hungarian Horntail. And Charlie, like we said, isn't exactly sure of the exact that the dragons will the the role that the dragons will play in the in the first task but he's also sure that Hagrid should not be cheating and showing the dragons to Madame Maxine which would give Fleur an advantage yes Hagrid's just like I just wanted her to see him what did he say it was like it was in it was written in in Hagrid yeah it was I'd I just ate, thought she ate to see him or something like that. 
<laughs> thought she had to see him. Yeah, thought she had to see him. That sounds right. Yeah, it was some. It was something like that. It was total haggard. Just like, well, you know, what are you gonna do now? She's already seen him. She might as well, you know, Enjoy stick around herself. a little bit here. Might as well have a party. And but Charlie did say that they were tasked with specifically bringing dragons that were nesting mothers. Mm-hmm. And. This they is this even is... brought over the eggs, and mm-hmm. Charlie had to say, Hagrid, <laughs> we counted them. Yep, I like Don't that, try I like and steal too. an egg. Now, we have a nesting mother goose at our school, and she is mean. Like, she's just really mean. So, if we've got some nesting mothers, dragons, they're probably going to be pretty rowdy. I would think. And Charlie also says that the Hungarian Horntail will be the biggest challenge of the four because of the horned tail. Yeah, because both ends are dangerous. <laughs> yeah, well, both ends are dangerous. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like when you got the flu. <laughs> both ends are dangerous. <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't know what's what's uh, what's coming out of where. Uh, so when Charlie says. That the Hungarian Horntail is going to be the most difficult to deal with, the biggest challenge of the four. That means that's the one Harry's getting, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the namesake of the chapter. Yeah. They, they, they singled that one out. The Hungarian Horntail will not be participating <laughs> in the Triwizard Tournament. We just did a whole chapter. No, Harry's getting that one, of course. Of course. Because... Of uh, why not give the most difficult one to the youngest, most inexperienced wizard? That is the most responsible thing to do. Yes, makes in a, sense. In a Mortal Kombat-like uh, tournament of death. <laughs> uh, I also like the comment that you said about Charlie and the dragon eggs, about how he specifically counted all of them. I'm guessing that Hagrid got a very interested look on his face yes. when that happened. We, they didn't really... He perked up. It, they did comment that he was like... Okay. Yeah, they didn't say that like his face was awash with intrigue or something like that, but we know that Hagrid was already thinking, hmm, Dragon Egg. He's, we've what got a little those? history with that. So in case Hagrid gets any ideas about snagging one, they have been inventoried, <laughs> and we're going to know if one is missing. But Harry, awash in all of this information that he's got to take in now, that he's got to deal with freaking dragons, mad mama dragons in his first task, Harry has to bolt back to the castle because he doesn't want to miss his meeting with Sirius. And on the way back, he bumps into someone. Oh, yeah, your friend. My buddy, uh, Karkaroff. Yes. The Durmstrang leader, who was also sneaking around trying to find out info about the first task, I'm guessing. Why else would he be out scheming? He's up to something. He's up to something. He's up to something. We and don't know really, if he's trying to find out, like, about... Come on, how were they keeping this a secret? There was, like, fire shooting out everywhere. They were roaring. <laughs> like, Yeah, Charlie said I they tried like... to bring him in, like, the middle of the night. Um... Hoping, sedated yeah. and then wake him up in the middle of the night and then maybe they, but was, they oh, were oh it's still night time we'll go you know go back to sleep no but no they are upset yes <laughs> mom and dragon's like where are my eggs who are you people and where am i <laughs> and where are my eggs mm-hmm. so karkaroff we assume or i assume is sneaking around trying to, you know, get clues, trying to get info on, you know, to maybe give Victor an advantage. So if this is true, if Karkaroff is out and about trying to find something now, let's say he does find out something about the first task, that would make everyone but Cedric know what's coming up. Because you assume Madame Maxine is going to go back and tell Floor. Of course. Uh, you would assume Karkaroff, through whatever means, is going to find out. He'll probably see, oh, what's that fire shooting out of the sky? I'm going to go check out, check over there. Check over there. So that kind of puts Cedric at a disadvantage. bit of a disadvantage here. Unless Harry's going to be a nice guy and clue him in on it. We'll find out. Which he might. Uh, we get back to the common room fire, and there's the floating head of Sirius Black. 
I to, totally forgot that he already saw this happen. Ready to have a conversation with Harry. Yeah, who who was it last time? Um, it was Cedric's dad. Popped in to oh, talk okay, to right. Arthur Weasley. Right. And he's yeah, like, if somebody, I hadn't seen this happen, I would have yeah, been scared from out of my the, wits. From the ministry, I remember. It happened at the Weasley household. But yeah, there's the disembodied head of Sirius Black floating around. Uh, I'm assuming it's kind of floating around like a screensaver. Yeah, where bouncing it just like it just off bounces the, off the, the corners, corners of the, the brick fireplace. That's, that's at least what I envisioned in the movie in my I'm head. I'm sure it's exactly when I was reading this. what's happening. And Harry is glad to see Sirius, but he is upset about the prospect of facing dragons. Wants to talk to Sirius about that, but Sirius has more pressing news. We find out some a much bigger than a small tidbit about. Karkaroff. Yes. It turns out Karkaroff is a Death Eater. I knew it. A follower of Voldemort who spent time, and this is something, you know, it's been a while since. I've, I've seen all the movies, I think, one time. Yeah. Where we, well, some of them I've seen twice because we watched them after we read the books. Yes. Here. But. As of this movie. As of this movie, I've seen it once and it's been years. And I did not remember this part. So this was kind of shocking to me that Karkaroff was a follower of Voldemort who spent time in Azkaban with Sirius, was there at the same time, and Karkaroff actually got put in there by Professor Moody, which explains the weird dynamic that they had <laughs> earlier <Yes>. in the <laughs> book. And what did you think it was? I thought that there Somebody's was maybe like girl? one of them was like a jilted lover or something uh -huh. like that. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, like one stole the other's uh, girlfriend at Hogwarts or something like that. It's but a little bit bigger than that. A little bigger than that. One of them was, is pure evil and was <laughs> a disciple of the lordest of lords of pure evil. There you go. <laughs> and apparently Karkaroff got released because he snitched, no pun intended, Oh. On other dark wizards. So he got a reduced sentence. <laughs> so, here's my issue. <laughs> yes? Even if Karkaroff did snitch, no pun intended, on these other dark wizards, which presumably helped Azkaban bring in... Maybe, maybe they brought in... Maybe because of what Karkaroff, the tips he gave, maybe, let's say a hundred... Dark Wizards got uh -huh. brought in. Let's just say that. We 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 hear that in in Law and Order all and all the time, you know, and and not like not like Law and Order the TV show, but like just general world uh, uh, penal system, Law and Order, law enforcement. If you if if they can get a bigger, if they can catch a bigger fish, yes, they're willing to let the guppy go. So let's say Karkaroff brought in a hundred wizards. Wouldn't he be on like some kind of like ankle bracelet type, like work home, like, uh, you know, what, what's it like home? What's that called? Home imprisonment, house arrest. House arrest. Wouldn't he be on some kind of like work release program or have to have like a, uh, maybe working at the school is part of it. It's kind of contained, you know, it's like a boarding school. You live there. This is a horrible idea. <laughs> even if he got a reduced sentence, even if he was allowed to be released early for good behavior, why is a convicted criminal allowed to have a prominent position at a school? And why is he allowed to teach children? Like, yes. You were uh, put in. Uh, you were put in Sing Sing prison for murder and all kinds of crimes that we can't even list on this podcast because it's PG. However, you snitched and brought in uh, five other criminals, so we're going to let you go. We're even going to set you up with a job at a school with children. And we're not even, not even gonna. You're not even gonna have a job there, like just like mopping floors or something like that. You are going to be in charge, one of the head people in charge at that school. What is going on here? This is terrible. There, there have been times where I have gone off the rails on this podcast, 
and you have tried to just just being devil's advocate, I think. I think you just try to do it to be snarky. You don't really believe the opposite of my opinion. You just tried to do it just because you want to uh, set me off even more. <laughs> but there is no way that you can defend this. You, she's stretching right now. All right. You ready? <laughs> okay. So when Voldemort was in power, he was in power. There were a lot of people who went to his side, not necessarily because they were evil or because they believed in him. They just wanted to survive. And he was the one in control of everything. And, you know, rather be with him than against him because he's murdering everyone who's against You're, him. You would be a great prosecuting attorney. Or, no, I'm sorry, defense attorney. <laughs> defending the low lives of our country. And the horrible things that so, they do. But it's mentioned in the books that when Voldemort disappeared and everything just kind of went crazy because, you know, the, the order, the natural order of things had been flipped when he was in charge and then he was just gone. And like you said before, a lot of people were, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. Those people didn't I go was... to Azkaban. Yeah, but... um. We also find out in a couple of lines where Sirius says that he doesn't believe that he would be aligning himself with Voldemort until Voldemort comes back to power and he, you know, it's kind of like Wormtail, uh, Peter Pettigrew. He yeah. has to be on whoever's the strongest side. Not that he's necessarily an, an evil person or he likes doing evil things. He just gravitates to the person who has the bit most power. So, like you were saying, he's like a guppy, and they just snatched him up because he was probably easy to catch once he had no direction. He had no boss or master anymore. Do you think that just made me think of something? Maybe they want Karkaroff on the on the, the playing board, so to speak, because maybe they... Maybe the ministry is okay with having Park Rob out there because they know they can catch him whenever they want to. <laughs> and kind of intimidate him mm -hmm. into the right path as long as Voldemort's not really in play. And maybe... Or in power. They could use that if Voldemort does make a play. Maybe Park Rob would kind of tip his hand, lead him to him or something like that. So it's... You, you see it on cop shows all the time. They've got their informants, mm -hmm. and they know the informants are not. And they kind of bully them a little yeah. bit, but they let good, them do their thing. And they know thing. the informants are not necessarily the highest esteem of, of people. Mm -hmm. However, they might be necessary to the bigger picture. Yes. So maybe there is something to that thing. However, we could have set him up with like a job mopping floors at the Ministry of Magic or something. This man should not be around children. Okay, so I'm going to yes, go defense attorney just a, a little bit further out on that limb and say, what if he is like a super good Quidditch coach and they want to win? So you see that with college athletics all the time. Some there you go. Big pieces of garbage get hired. like Because, because they produce wins. Mm -hmm, and they can recruit very well. So, yeah. There, there's something to be said for that, too. Uh People get elected to uh, political office all the time that have done horrible things in their past, but their party knows that they can win because they can galvanize people. But no way should he be at a school. No way should he be at involved in. This well, this school party. too is kind of seems kind of shady. You know, mm -hmm. everything about them is a little dark, a little gruff. And Sirius even says that he he's pretty sure he's teaching them dark magic mm -hmm. at that school why would the ministry be okay with that like that that that, that doesn't warrant an investigation or something like well this is Sirius's opinion no but he you can't gotta... be the only one that has that opinion he can't be the he's the only like is the ministry just a bunch of morons a little bit because it kind of seems that way it kind of seems it's it kind of seems that they're just uh, like, they're not taking the Voldemort thing seriously, even though he has attacked every year that Harry has been <laughs> at Hogwarts. He has infiltrated professors at the school, and nobody seems to care. 
Oh, honey. Oh, we got to get the tournament. We got to get the Quidditch World Cup going on. We got to get the Triwizard Tournament going on. No, they should be on red alert right now. Oh, it gets so much worse before Good it gets grief. better. You're you're just going to have to table that one. Good grief. All right. Let's wrap it up here. The Death Eaters have been popping up since the Quidditch World Cup. We talk about, our series talks about Bertha Jorkins, who worked for the ministry, still being missing. And he said that she was kind of a moron in school, so yeah. she probably got easily See, tricked. He's pretty free with his opinions and pretty extreme with his opinions. I like it. I like he just kind of he <laughs> throws does what, it out he there. He does what I don't do. He, he just talks, just says what's on his mind. Yeah. I kind of keep my, often keep my thoughts to myself until I explode. <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> uh, we've got confirmed, we've got a confirmed Death Eater in Karkarov running around Hogwarts, and no one seems to think this is inappropriate. We haven't heard from Voldemort since he killed that dude 17 chapters ago. Yeah. And we've got uh, ticked off Mama Dragons to deal with. So a lot going on. So you think the next chapter is going to be action-packed? Uh, if I say yes, then I know I'm going to be wrong. Oh. So I'm just going to say no and be pleasantly surprised if it is. There you go. But at the very end of the chapter, uh, right when Sirius was getting ready to tell Harry how to deal with dragons, Ron strolls into the common area. You just area. gotta know this one thing. <laughs> I, I, but, I, 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 push that internet button, I, Kelly. I, 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 you're breaking up. Going through a tunnel. So Ron strolls into the common area, which interrupts Harry's visit with Sirius. And so Harry and Ron are already mad at each other, and now pertinent information about this life-and-death upcoming dragon struggle is kept from Harry, because Ron just tries to go for a midnight stroll. And we get another argument, and Harry ends up using a Potter Stinks button as a ninja throwing star and hits Ron in the forehead. <laughs> and hopes he gave him a scar. I hope I gave you a scar! That's what you want, right? You want to be like me with a scar on your forehead? You big, stupid... Stupid face. <laughs> yeah, that's how the that's the end of the chapter. There you go. So, There's a lot at the end, mm -hmm. but we just piddled around for the first twenty pages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. I mean, we we found out some, like I said, some some pertinent information. Karkaroff mm -hmm. reveals yeah. is big. Answer some questions of yours that uh, you've been. Wondering yeah. about uh, the dragon thing is big. The, I mean, uh, the fact that Sirius is you know made an appearance is big, or mm -hmm. at least his head made an appearance. You know, fifteen percent of Sirius <laughs> made an appearance. <laughs> um, there was you know, but there's just the way we get there. I guess is is what is kind of. I don't want to say hard to get through because it's not hard to read. It's not like it's not enjoyable. It just seems like it's like a double album, you know, like when we used to go buy CDs from Best Buy and it would be two discs, but it really only had like one disc worth of good music on it. Like you could have cut out a lot of the extra stuff and made a, a single disc that was really, really good, but you decided to make two discs, which end up getting a lot of filler in there. Yeah. I think, you know, like you said, it, it is easy to read. She's a good writer. Her world, world building is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. and I, There's few better at, at that. I think that's part of it, too. They kind of loosen the reins. Like, you know, we wanted to see more. We hadn't really seen, like, we, it's like we took our, a whole little field trip to the Weasleys and then to the Quidditch World Cup. So we got to do some other things than just go to school. Mm -hmm. So, I mean. Kind of breaks up the monotony a little bit. Yeah. But also, as readers, we just want to get to the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I, I'm glad you said that because I feel like I'm kind of being too hard on it sometimes. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people that, that I've talked to that, when I tell them that we're in the middle of Goblet of Fire, they say, oh, that's my favorite book. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so I... I hate being... Down on it. Down on it just for the sake. But I I'd also don't want to, you know, give 
you know, false, false opinions and just say that it's just all perfect either. Yeah. I think it's worth, you know, taking these books and this journey that we're on for, for all parts of it, you know, flaws and all, you mm-hmm. know, things that maybe you reading it for the 30th time noticed that maybe that could be made even better are parts that we wish that they would have expanded more on because there's parts that we don't there's parts that we get way too much information on there's parts that we don't get enough on Mm -hmm. and there's but overall she gets an a for the balancing act and like you said the the world that she created and so it's kind it's kind of hard to argue with something that you know ends up being an a yeah you know you get an a on your paper you know, you could say, oh, well, I wish I would have done this different or gotten an A plus or when the overall product and the overall presentation is so, pardon the pun, magical, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to find myself, I find, find it difficult to pick on it in any way. Yes. Yeah. And I could see where some people listening might be like, oh my God, how could they critique JK <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? It's perfect. Every word out of the woman's mouth is perfect. Well, it's like when not I not quite, but like, there was one time I said something like I, it wasn't even something bad. It was just something like not glowing about Beyonce. <laughs> and man, <laughs> someone hurt you. A couple people that I worked with at at a, at another school, I I heard it. I like how dare you disrespect the queen? <laughs> like I thought that I was going to get you know, uh, thrown in the gallows or something like that. But back to what you said about, you know, me reading it for the whatever hundredth time. Uh, that is something that, you know, as a, if you're reading it for the first time, I could see you being antsy. I want to mm-hmm. get to the good stuff. I want to get there. But then, yeah, if you're, then when you reread it, it's nice to have that extra stuff in there to make it last a little longer because then you don't want to get to the end. You want to enjoy the book and be in that world for a while. So, but yeah, this is the first one I think that I really felt like, can we move on? Can we get to it? Mm-hmm. Can we, can we? Uh, before we go. Yes. I would like to, uh, don't have an email today, but I did want to try to give, uh, Shout out to some of our, because uh, we've had some new listeners that have uh, joined us on this journey and and uh, as a byproduct of that have uh, joined us on Facebook as well. So I want to give a shout out to uh, Venice Margaret, Dwayne Sebastian Castor, uh, Athera Lyra Black, uh, who else we got here? Uh, Tiffy Gray, John Gonthier, uh, Jessa, sorry, I don't, can't, I'm not gonna try to uh, pronounce that last name. Uh, Therese, and, uh, Luna. I don't know if that's her real name, because her name is Luna Diggory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, eh, not sure about that. I'm not sure if that's her real, if that is your real name, Luna. We thank you for, for joining us on this journey here. Uh, it's Every time I, I just am crazily humbled every time I look at the downloads and how they uh, go up each month. And it, it's, it's very humbling to know that there are people that are uh, taking the time out to listen to my wife and I just talk about Harry Potter books. And uh, so we appreciate you uh, joining us. Thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, subscribing. Uh, spread the word that we're available on all podcast platforms. Uh, you can send us an email, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. We'll answer your questions or read your opinions and give you a shout-out on the show. And if we really like it, maybe we'll send you a T-shirt or a book or something like that. Hmm. Uh, you can follow the show at BroomsticksB on Twitter. We're also Broomsticks and Butterbeer is also on Facebook as well. Uh, Jessica is at Jess Rhino, J-E-S-S-R-Y-N-O. Jessica, what are you currently reading besides Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire? I am, well, halfway through Warstorm, which is actually an older book for a series that I, the Red Queen series that I read a long time ago, but I never finished because the book is massive. And I'm slowly getting through it. I just read her new book, 
uh, realm breaker. It's okay. It's just okay. It's just okay. Hopefully, there's a lot going on. It's a very complex world. There's a lot of characters, lots of points of view. It it was very complicated. Like I told Jennifer not to read it when, like, don't start it at night when you're tired because you're not going to understand any of it. Just mm. you're going to have to keep dive into that with fresh eyes. All right. So follow Jess for her uh, on Twitter for all of her uh, scathing book reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm a little harsh. Uh, the girls, but then, but then you say like uh, this was story was hard to follow. It didn't have a lot of character development. I didn't know. I didn't understand where this character was going. Five stars. <laughs> no, no, I don't give five star reviews. You, you can ask the girls. They, I did give five stars to. Um, Rule of Wolves, and the girls both flipped out. They were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that, because I never get five-star reviews. The rare five-star review. Yes. It's like it's like getting, like, joining Oprah's book club. Mm-hmm. You get the big, get the big uh, Oprah sticker on it. It's just approved. We start at three. Mm. If you impress me, you get to go up. So you get, get three, like, just for making a book? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, we're going to start at three. If it's not good, then you're going to go down. So if I write a book, no matter how bad it is, I can at least get three stars? No, because if it's bad, it, you go down. Oh. If it's good, you go up. But I like going in. I start at three for everybody. And Interesting. Then you go up or down. It's like, this is your potential tip mm. I'm putting on the table. Mm-hmm. and Every time you mess up, I take a dollar away. Yeah. If you do well, I put a dollar back. Put a dollar back. Okay. Interesting. Well, shout out to our friends. You mentioned Jennifer in California, who's now in Texas. Yes, right and actually, I just got confirmation she is still alive mm. because I haven't heard from her since Thursday night. Yeah, the humidity she didn't like. Yeah, it was midnight in Houston. She hadn't left the airport yet, and she said she was going to die from the humidity. Mm. Um, but I just, like, sh- and I text this morning. I said, are you still alive? Because I hadn't seen any... Activity. Made her, made her hold up a newspaper from <laughs> the current day to prove that she was still alive. So she did not respond to the "Are you still alive?" text. But then when I said we're recording a podcast right now, she hearted it and then laughed and then said she was still alive. Okay. So we have confirmation. So Jennifer's still alive. Anastasia biking around the cemeteries of Connecticut. Doing great. Having a great time. Um. Kelly up, of course, in, in Manhattan, doing New York, doing New Yorker stuff. Yeah. New York starting to open back up there. Charging down the uh, the sidewalks and not yielding to anyone. Mm-hmm. Elbows out. <laughs> like all New Yorkers do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to give a shout out to um, a, a co-worker of mine who um, I really enjoy talking to every day. Uh, you met Jane the other day. Yeah. At, at school. Uh, Jane has uh, uh, become one of the people that I enjoy really speaking to at, at school, and that's kind of few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a big Harry Potter fan and a fellow Hufflepuff, and she's uh, joining us on this journey as well now. So I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Jane. What are you, uh, what are you giggling <laughs> about over there? You're looking at some message on your watch. Yeah. Jennifer just um, texts you or something? or yeah, I don't know that she want want me to read that out loud. She, she. Well, it's a PG show, Jess. If if it's not appropriate, she drank a lot of butter beer one night, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not really sure what this has to do with anything. Je- uh, Anastasia replied with picking up sticks, and now we know Jennifer is alive. I don't know what that means. See, that's cryptic stuff that like Anastasia puts out there. You don't know what that means. <laughs> you, she, you just said that you that she was biking around the cemetery, and she like literally texts that she's picking up sticks. She's like picking up sticks. And <laughs> Are these sticks know, or bones? And now bones? we know Jennifer is alive. Like, Anastasia, <laughs> stop it! You're being scary. That's gonna do it for us on this edition of Broomstick and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing at them. Oh, heavens. Thank you for... I can't wait to read this to you when we get off the air. Through all all these shenanigans that we bring to you uh, on each episode. We'll be back next time with Chapter 20 in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Until then, we'll see you next time. Bye. 